Welcome to Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. And today, as we said, we are touching a topic that is really fascinating because it's talking about purgatory and it's going to answer, at least today we're going to answer at least two questions, but we're also going to talk about a lot about that, about the topic. And then probably there is going to be a follow-up program with all the questions that the audience was sending because today the, 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 the phone was ringing off there, just people sending different uh, questions they had and everything else. So today we're going to talk specifically everything we can about purgatory. So we're here with Father Arthur Lemnikian of the Hills of the Gospel, with Brother Justin Bonian, and then we are going to talk about purgatory, and we're going to try as much as possible to explain this fantastic topic of the Catholic Church that needs a lot of clarification, correct? Yes, absolutely. It's a wonderful subject, and actually, you know, the first question that we could ask ourselves is, why did the Church always pray for the dead? So, if the Church prays for the dead, there must be a reason. Now, if the dead are in heaven, they don't need our prayers. <laughs> if the dead are in hell, unfortunately, they don't need our prayers they anymore. Need our prayers at all. So, who needs the prayers? What are those people who need our prayers? The prayers of the Church the church dedicates one day, the day of all souls, just to pray for them. The whole church all over the world prays for them. Even those souls in purgatory that have died a long time ago, nobody remembers them. Still today, the, the church prays for them. So, so, Father, let's start with this. Maybe, I don't know, what, why do we go to purgatory? It's, you know, why we, you know, that we try to pray with them. Why do we have to go to purgatory? Exactly. Uh, our Lord Jesus Christ calls us to be perfect. Why? Because he is perfect himself. And he knows that he being perfect, he's all happy. And as he loves us, he wants us to be happy also. So he wants us to be perfect. So that's our first mission on earth is to be perfect. Is that easy? No. <laughs> that not easy. That's the problem. <laughs> we can see people already in there just <laughs> moving. <clears throat> but no. but it's very clear. In Matthew uh, chapter five, you know, um, Lord Jesus Christ said, "Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect." So it's a wonderful thing. And also here you can see a little bit the uh, the humility of our Lord Jesus Christ because He gives a, as an example His Father being perfect. But actually, He is perfect also. He could have said, be perfect as I am perfect. But he's so humble that he gives his father. So it proves that he is perfect. <laughs> and it proves that to be perfect is to be humble. So the first question that we can ask ourselves, are we really humble? <laughs> if yeah. we were perfect, we would say, be perfect as, as Brother Justin is perfect. <laughs> but that is a whole problem, not too, because in the end of the story, we, yeah, I mean, we have faults, we have this, we have that. In heaven, only people can go to heaven who, I mean, let's just put it this way, heaven is a place where nothing imperfect exactly. can come in. Exactly. No? That's in the book of Revelation. Hmm? That's in the book of, of Revelation, chapter 21. Uh, let us quote it because this is beautiful. It says, uh, chapter 21, book of Revelation, nothing unclean will enter it. So no, this is the Holy Spirit speaking, nothing unclean, nothing that's a little bit imperfect will enter heaven. 
nor any who practice abomination or falsehood. So no imperfection is allowed in heaven. So if I, I have some imperfection in myself, in my soul, I won't be able to go to heaven. Now, purgatory. Why it is a manifestation of Jesus' charity, of Jesus' love? We think, ah, you know, some people may think, uh, oh, God is, you know, very severe and he sent us to purgatory. No. Purgatory is the highest manifestation of God's mercy. Why? Because if you die and you are 100% perfect, then you will go to heaven. If you die and you're not 100% perfect, you will go to hell because you cannot enter. If there was no purgatory, there will be only two options. Now God comes and Jesus, Jesus comes and says, no, 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 there is a third option. I'm going to make it easier for you. <laughs> so if you're not perfect in the moment of death, but you're not evil, you still love me, I have a solution for you. And the solution is purgatory. <laughs> so he allows to, to, for an adjustment, put it that way. You know? I mean, you can make up, you can make, you know, just come closer. And even, yeah. But I think also it's important to remember that a person who has rejected God cannot go to purgatory. And they cannot go to heaven. There's no room for them. Right? They're not wearing the right clothes, if you want to use a biblical language. So it's important to see that it is the free choice of the individual if they go to heaven or hell or purgatory. They're not forced. That's an important element. It's their choice. It's always your choice. Absolutely. And you know what? They want to be in purgatory because they feel that they are not ready to go to heaven. They, they still their clothes, as you mentioned. It's not clean. Even the souls in hell want to be in hell because they're further from the love of God. That love that loved them, who now rejects them because of their bad choices, that hurts. So the further they're away from that, exactly. the less their, their sufferings are. Ergo, it's also a choice. So people in the audience, we always tend to think that, oh my goodness, so I'm going to, I'm going to die. Oh, I'm going to go to purgatory. I'm going to burn there in purgatory. But in reality, it's a relief. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. It's a preparation place. Because God doesn't want the condemnation of the person. He does everything to save him. So even if the person in his own life hasn't reached the perfection that necessary to go to heaven, Jesus will find a way for him to find perfection after death. To go to a place in which he can do atonement for the sins, that he, he has to do reparation of the sins, and uh, also to do a spiritual progress in which he will adapt his soul to the soul of our Lord Jesus Christ. He, will, he, will, he has to be an image, as in Genesis, you know, God make um, man in his image. Image and likeness. And likeness. So he has to become that image. It, it, if you look at it, the devotion to the Sacred Heart, it, it resembles very much that. Make myself according to you. Exactly. If we do that, 
then we in turn become like the Sacred Heart. We become like God in the truest image and become this iconist, this image that brings us to a greater reality. Um, by doing that, it allows us to become what we're called to be, not failures. Exactly. So God creates us at his image and likeness, and all of a sudden something very bad happened. But because we kept the image, but we lost the likeness, no? Sin. So Father, you were, you were talking a little bit after the microphone about, well, okay, if uh, original sin is understood, then we can understand purgatory better. Absolutely. No. It's very important. This, this, I, I want you to pay attention because this is very important. Actually, it's, it, 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 it is where it comes from. Where does purgatory come from? Well, the thing is that we have original sin, which was the sin committed by our ancestors, by the first fathers of humanity. But then we have actual sin, which is the sin that we commit. So we are responsible for both sins. Baptism will erase, you know, the guilt, the guilt, of original sin but then life continues and maybe we incur in sin it can be mortal or venial but it's still sin so because of this sin we are guilty we're guilty of what we're guilty of eternal punishment and we are guilty of temporal punishment the eternal punishment is because we had offended God and the only one who can make reparation of the offense that we do when we sin to God is God himself. He's the only one who can make atonement for that, for that uh, aspect of our sin. Because and he's infinite and sin is infinite. It's infinite. Because it's an offense it's, it's who you've committed the sin against. Right. Absolutely. So it's only our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and he uh, obtained salvation. He, he obtained atonement for our eternal punishment okay if you are forgiveness you're not going to have eternal punishment anymore because i died for you but still we have the temporal punishment the consequences of uh, the sin in our lives in the lives of all the others because when we sin we sin also against our conscience and we sin against the others we sin against what in theology we call we call the uh, order of the universe so for this we have to do atonement we have to, to do satisfaction and this satisfaction can be done in two places on earth or in purgatory how do we do it on earth on earth we do it by prayers by praying for us and for the others by doing sacrifice by good uh, giving uh, good examples by fasting giving and through indulgence that the church in its charity has established that we can win some indulgences in order to reduce, to shrink our um, temporal punishment in, on, uh, on, on earth, I mean, in, in, in purgatory. If we die and still we haven't obtained, uh, you know, full purification of our sins, if we die and still our soul is not completely united with the Lord Jesus Christ, so then we have to uh, go to purgatory for our purification. And this is the 
the meaning of purgatory that the church has established as has invented this uh, this uh, word and um uh, we don't know what it is actually this is a, a good question no? <laughs> where is purgatory <laughs> is it a real place what? is it a state of mind but people in ancient times were commenting yes. but i think that actually came very close to kind of describe purgatory right without seeing it but there are also saints who saw it right yeah yes there's both yes absolutely there's actually a museum of purgatory in rome you know at the church in rome and where there um, a uh, a priest collected all sorts of uh, evidence of souls of purgatory that had appeared to people asking for prayers mm -hmm. we should remember that the souls in purgatory is they are holy. Mm -hmm. Purgatory is not a sad place. It's not a haunted place. Not a haunted place. That's, That's very an important. important element. Yeah, I think a lot of people have that misconception. People confuse it with Halloween, right? Like, it <laughs> hell. Just, nah. I think it's a form, an antechamber of hell. Yeah, no. hell, yes. Um, they have an idea that you can slippery slope. You can kind of slide into hell from there or something like that. They're saved. They're just in a hospital. It's a hospital. It's a hospital of the soul in which your soul is going to be fixed. By whom? Who, who directs, you know, our, our sanctification in purgatory? Well, I think, you know, in the first place, the Holy Spirit, of course. Mm -hmm. But very likely Mary also. Oh, exactly. Because the Blessed Virgin Mary is our mother. And the mother, what does the mother when the son is sick? Who attends to, to, the, to the to children when they are sick is the mother. Well, one of her invocations is refuge of sinners. Exactly. And these are sinners who need that extra help. Exactly. But they're not cast aside. They're not far. They're close. So uh, the um, we find you know in the in scriptures many many references two places in which we have to uh, pay atonement for our sins, in which we have to pay re uh, reparation. And uh, there is one parable that I would like to bring to you, which is um, very important. It's a parable that's it's in the Gospel of St. Luke, of the vigilant and faithful servant. Remember that uh, our Lord Jesus Christ speaks about a master that goes to to a, to a wedding and he asks of his servants to take care of the house in his absence and so he's going to describe four servants mm -hmm. four attitudes of four different servants so the first servant is the one that when the master comes back he is taking care of everything and he's doing exactly what the master has asked him to do and what is going to happen to him? He's going to have a reward. This is a faithful servant that is going to have a reward. And he's do, going to be put in charge of all the properties of the master because he's faithful. A tremendous reward. Then you have the second servant, which is the, the one who thinks, okay, my master is not here. He, uh, he's taken a long time. I'm going to forget everything that he asked me and I'm going to drink and party and this and that and treat bad the others you know, because I want to do what I want. And then the master comes. Mm. And then he, you know, he receives what, what he deserves. Um, 
the uh, actually the, the, the text in Greek is very very strong. Dikotome, uh, 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 you know, I mean, means he, I, I cut off. yeah, cut off in half. done, done, <laughs> done. You know, so so there's no coming back from that. <laughs> no coming back. Exactly. No and that, and actually, just one little point that's really important is that our Lord is very radical in these things. It's it's the fig tree or what have you. It's split in half. There's you can't you don't you don't make it through an injury like that. Exactly. There's no question. And in the ancient world, it wasn't like they didn't understand. No, no, they understood. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, 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 very serious. so the second one, chastisement. Hell. Hell. Now, the third and the fourth is a little bit different. So the third is the one who knows the will of the master, but he just doesn't do it. Mm. He doesn't do the opposite of what the master has said, but he just does nothing. He's lazy, you know, he just, you know, does nothing of what the master uh, did. And the master comes and he finds him completely idle. He's doing nothing. What have you done? You have wasted your time. So he's going to be chastised. Chastised. And uh, our Lord uses the uh, punishment, you know, and he's going to be beaten. And the fourth is... uh, another servant who didn't know exactly what the master wanted him to do. But he also didn't do it, and he didn't look for. He was more indifferent. So uh, he's not so guilty because he wasn't called to a high responsibility. In a certain sense, the third master is the clergy, and the fourth master is the lay. (laughs) Mm. In a certain sense. That's what it could mm-hmm. be interpreted. Because the third one is, is somebody who was called to take care of the others. The fourth one is just somebody who was there to help, to be good, etc. But, uh, but he didn't do it. He's less guilty than the one who was called to do uh, uh, an important uh, mission. And he, uh, he didn't accomplish the mission. So there are two types uh, of, um, uh, of punishments. The, the coming of the master represents death. Mm. It means death. So the master comes, that, that's the death. For the first one, he dies, heaven. The second one, dies, go to hell. The third one, he dies, but he's going to be chastised and in order to, to be transformed. And that's purgatory. So in this parable, in Luke 12, um, we find a very clear reference of our Lord Jesus Christ to purgatory, a place after death, after the master has come to be purified. So this is something that, that, um, that is beautiful. And you know, uh, Dante, you know, this one of the most uh, genial you know, uh, um, writers, poets in history, he also has a wonderful description of purgatory. He's a medieval uh, man. He uh, he was born, in, I think, 1200 and something in Italy, and um, and he he imagines a trip, but a trip after death. And he goes to three places. He goes to purgatory, then he goes. Oh no! He f- first starts with hell. You're right. He starts with hell. He goes then to then purgatory, and then heaven. Absolutely. So this is why it's called a comedy and not a tragedy, you know? <laughs> because if you would start it in, in heaven and then go to purgatory and then to hell would be a tragedy. 
<laughs> so it's a divine comedy. Yeah? The um, so he describes um, just to clarify, Dante is not a saint, right? Is someone he, who came close to yeah. explain well through human resources. Put it that way. Oh, that's an interesting way of looking at it. He was looked upon very much as a, a person of of piety amongst people. What he was, what he was, was very well educated, right? And he's educated in the scholastic manner. So he's around the time of Thomas Aquinas, Saint Bonaventure, and many of the highest peaks of the Middle Ages. But what he echoes to us, and this is what all of the scholars say, is the medieval mind in the side of, of devotional piety, right? What did they think of hell? What did they think of purgatory? What did they think of heaven? Now, heaven is the hardest of those three. It's paradisio. It's kind of out there. But the two that are most quoted are inferno and, um, and good old... But what's interesting is, let's start from the beginning of Canto 1 of Inferno, which is the beginning of the Dante's epic, right? Where is he? He's in a crisis. Yeah. He has just lost his, his job, his city, his personality, his name, his reputation, and he has, midway through the journey of our life, I find myself in a forest dark, for straightforward path have been lost. Oh, met how hard a thing it is to say, what was the forest savage, rough and stern, which very thought renews the fear. So that's the beginning. At this point, he encounters Virgil, and he begins his journey. But what's interesting about it is when we get inwards into the image of Canto Three, which is where Inferno, right? We're in hell. What's over the door? You know, there is no ending. There is no beginning. You're done. But there's also a segment which is in Canto um, 3, verse 60, in that area there, midway through the Canto, in which has an interesting passage. These miscreants who never were alive were naked and were strung excessively like gadflies, hornets as they. You're talking about souls that were awful. They were, they were, in, they were indecided. In a sense, this was a way of talking about some who had not made it to purgatory, but had ended up in hell, but they were more in that, in that direction. But also he talks about in, in, in Inferno, which is that there's a special place in hell for those who are indolent. The indolent. This is the city of the indolent. Through me, the way to the eternal dole, through the way amongst where people are lost. What was fascinating about the three, the, the three comedias is that the medieval person had no doubts about purgatory. Actually, the church itself had no doubts about purgatory. The doubts about purgatory only come round towards the end of the Middle Ages, during the decadence of the Middle Ages, the beginning of humanism, where we no longer have God as center, we have man as center. And when man is center, sin doesn't make sense. You have to deny sin. So it doesn't make sense. Yeah, otherwise it doesn't make sense, right? And that's where the crisis begins with the yes. question of a purgatory, and that's when the church actually begins to address the problem of purgatory. Because the church doesn't declare dogmas, or it doesn't need to, um, to refine doctrines when it's not opposed openly. When do the oppositions begin? Towards the end of the Middle Ages. That's when we start having issues. Exactly.
And nowadays people have that issue, right? I mean, if we are saved and if we if Jesus saves us, why do we have to suffer? Oh, the, all the whole question of suffering, the whole problem of, uh, okay, so why do I have to suffer and everything else? In the end of the story, is a problem of visualization on sin or not sin. Yeah, I mean, we look at, we look at the proto-Protestants. We're looking at John Hus uh, and John Wycliffe, so one from England, one from the Czech Republic, or Bohemia, Czech Republic. And... They, they deny the very things that, um, you know, some 60 years later, uh, Luther will openly nail on the door of Wittenberg Cathedral with his 95 Theses and who later um, will be re-echoed in a different manner um, by uh, John Calvin in his Institute of Christian Life. Uh, and it's and it's an issue which I'm hoping we'll have a chance later on to go further into because uh, it's a question of universalism or determinism, right? Which kind of puts the blame of sin on God. Very good. So in this case, we have more or less explained how, you know, why purgatory exists, but there is there are very specific questions that people have in the audience, at least for today. One of them is, okay, if I pray, if I die repentant, do I still have to go to purgatory? Uh, and also people can say, well, if, if nobody prays for you there, uh, what do you do? Can you pray for yourself, right? So these are, the, these are the, the two questions. We are going to wrap in just a single, just in two seconds. Now we go for a, for a break, and then we come back. So welcome to the second segment of the program. And now we have two questions, Father, that, as I was mentioning in the beginning, people were sending, and the, and the phone was going like this with messages because there are so many, many questions. But we picked up two for this program, and the next program is going to be exclusively dedicated to questions and answers because we have like 20, 25 questions. It's something really, really very, very nice. But I would like to go to the first question. And the first question is very interesting because, I don't know, I think all of us feel, you know, somehow identified with this, with this issue. And it's, if I go to confession before I die and confess all my sins, um, I will still have to suffer in purgatory for those sins I have already confessed and repented for. So, what happens? <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. Depends, actually. Um, the confession, as we just mentioned, the it, it forgives our eternal punishment for our sins. But still, we have to do reparation. So, for example, if somebody goes to confession because he stole something from somebody else. He goes to confession, he has forgiveness, he's forgiven, but still he has to give back what he stole. Mm -hmm. Right. He has stolen. So it's still, it's instead of grace, Bach has to give It matters about his intention. Exactly. If he doesn't have the intention well, of returning it, it doesn't matter how many times he confesses yeah. it, it's still not it's still, gone. Yeah, but this, but this person in the audience was clear. He said, no, no, I confessed everything, so you can say, is in a state of grace has been has received the no. Yes. It's a state of it's a contrition element. How sorry he is for exactly. his sin? Is it perfect or imperfect contrition? Well, but with imperfect contrition, you went and you received the absolution from the priest. That, that's the it's, question. He's is, is it imperfect? Imperfect, yes. That's okay. why you need confession. Then purgatory. Exactly. There we go. Because so, imperfect uh, contrition means that you are sorry for your sins out of Fear. Fear of going to, to hell, of that God is going to punish you, yeah. but not out of love for law, for the law of God, for his law and, 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 and Jesus Christ himself. So, um, uh, 
perfect contrition is because you are sorry out of love that you have offended him and um, uh, you you want to uh, make a reparation in love of the love that you have um, put aside that you that you uh, you you have uh, offended by your sin uh, yeah. because I think that when we sin the worst thing that we do we offend God's love ingratitude ingratitude we uh, we are uh, we are uh, hurting him in his heart I, I think the one of the worst scenes in the passion of our Lord is when he's in the Garden of Olives and he feels on himself the ingratitude of mankind Sorry. worse than the scourging and the crowning with thorns and even being nailed to the cross that ingratitude that's enough uh, that, that was far greater than, course, than everything that else was the worst thing. so so, um, so, so the, the person, person has to be you know has, has to has to will to do a reparation to the love that has been offended uh, Jesus love for us that we have been so um, ungrateful. Uh, so he he may have to go to purgatory in order to transform what has been the cause of that sin. Okay, you confess the sin. The sin, every sin is an effect of a cause. So you confess and you ask forgiveness for the effect of that cause, the sin, which is the effect. But the cause, yeah. what is going to happen? You have to heal the cause. You have to take away the, the cause from your heart. So if he, you know, uh, dies in a, in, a, in, a, in a total love for God, etc., well, then maybe, yes, he goes to hell direct, or to heaven directly. But, but if not, he has to go to purgatory in order for his love be perfect again. And that the, what, whatever has caused that sin will disappear from his soul. He must be cleansed. He must be completely uh, purified. Yeah, I'll, when I'm talking with small children about this, I usually start from the position that I say, okay, so you committed the sin of stealing something. But where did that, that urge to steal come from? Well, it might have come from jealousy. Where did the jealousy come from? Uh, you start moving back. Well, it was, you know, it was envy. Where did the envy come from? Pride. Where did the pride come? Well, concupiscence. So you, you've got this, like, cursed weed weaving itself through your soul. Until you pull that weed out by the roots, it's not gone. So purgatory is a way of getting rid of those roots of those nasty things that we have within our souls. All of us have it. And it's an opportunity to heal ourselves. So we are able to be in, the, in that wedding feast of the Lamb that's talked so much about in the book of Revelation. One time, Monsignor Jean-Claude commented something that was very beautiful, no? And then he said that, in reality, Purgatory is the place where we rectify our conscience, but we rectify it in a sense that we bring it back to where it should be. Because like Brother Justin Father was saying, no? He, the cause of sin, in reality, no, is a deformation that we carry. Our conscience is, is crooked. Our you know, impulses are wrong. But we have attachment to those wrong impulses. Yes. And so purgatory comes and it's a, no, rectifies everything, so brings it where we should be. I once heard it put 
Um, well, the most common is the hospital of the soul. But another one is the great school of the soul, where we have to learn the right things because we know the wrong things. We're, we haven't been taught properly. We're unschooled in that sense. It's actually very complex. No? How do we uh, do reparation and how do we are purified in purgatory? Because, for example, you know, it happened to Santa Francisca Romana, you know, a saint interesting that uh, she went to purgatory to visit a soul so <laughs> she went to purgatory then mm. this soul was condemned to be in purgatory for 70 years and she went to uh, visit the soul and bring consolation for her because uh, she uh, Santa Francisco Romana said that this soul had to stay you know regardless whatever you pray for her she had to stay 70 years but the prayers will diminish the uh, uh, the uh, um, the chastisement in in purgatory mm. will will diminish her purgatory in not in length but in intensity. So it's very complex, you know, how God decides how long has the person to be there, etc. It's it's absolutely fascinating to to learn more of this, but we don't know exactly because it depends on divine justice. Huh? So the person confessed, the person repented, and yet because of that crooked tendency or ma that, that was never rectified here on earth, was never corrected here on earth, we'll have to go to purgatory, right? Yeah. Okay, very good. So I hope uh, our the person who made the question, I hope you be happy. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's clarified. But we have another question. It says, okay, but what happens to the souls in purgatory that have been forgotten by their relatives, by their family, and then, therefore, you know, nobody prays for them at all. Because the person cannot pray for himself or no. herself. No. No. So then, imagine, you died, everybody forgot you existed, people, you know, don't, don't study the, 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 the family tree, they don't know it. And then, in two, three generations, you're totally forgotten, and then, if nobody prays for you, that's it. It's very nice, actually, you know, that in purgatory you cannot gain more merits for you. You cannot pray for you. And this is, this is nice because God has given you a certain amount of time, which is very precious. And in this, in this time that you can get merit for you, that you can do things that are good for you, for your, for your last judgment, for your uh, eternal life, etc. But once at that time decided by God that it's your time has expired, that's it. You cannot win anything more. Only the others can pray for you. You only, uh, you will live on the, on the, um, um, the, the mercy of, uh, of those who will pray and do things for you, etc. Well, one thing that, that the soul can do is ask permission to appear to somebody. <laughs> She can try, you know, to ask, you know, permission to to marry, maybe, you know, to appear to somebody that he knows that he's holy and that he is going to pray for him. And this happens. This really happens a lot. I, I think again, me. again, it goes back to the same idea, which is that these souls are not are not haunting or scary in no, that no. sense. They're there asking for prayers, and they are saved. Right. A lot of times, people mix that up. And it's important to underline that one point. One, um, one Harold priest told me a story that happened in one of our houses, you know. 
in which um, we have young people that are studying. And one day, the, uh, he was in the, in the front desk answering calls. That was some years ago. So the phone rings and somebody, you know, somebody uh, says hello, etc. He says, oh, hello. Um, so how can I help you? And the person says, look, I would like to speak with my son, so-and-so. No? And he gives his name, etc. Oh, okay, very well. The thing is that um, he, I don't know where he is right now, but if you can call again in five minutes, it will give me time to call different places to see if we can find your son, and he can, he can then answer answer the call and you can talk to him. So somebody goes goes and and, um, and looks for for this uh, this boy, and they tell him, look, you know, uh, your father called. He said, what? Yes, your father called. Come. My father has died five years ago. Really? So, you know, um, and of course, the person never called again. Mm. He never called again. A reminder for him to pray for. Not to pray for his for his uh, his father. It's amazing, huh? Ah, absolutely. Well, <laughs> interesting. Eh? Well, but sometimes it happens that you remember people. You're in the middle of the day, and all of a sudden yes. you remember a teacher. You remember someone you met, and you don't know where it comes from. And actually, Absolutely. no, that could be as a, something that, okay, maybe we want to pray for that person because he said so out of the blue that you remember this person. It, you know, maybe, maybe not, but, you know. You're 100% right. You know that, that I remember one of my, my teachers, I went to the Christian Brothers uh, and uh, the, he was an old Irish um, uh, brother at the time, so I was young, so that's a long time ago. And uh, and he was very nice, and he uh, he will uh, teach us how to pray, because um, at school we had to pray before every uh, every uh, uh, class. So he will come when it was his turn. Uh, he will come and he will say, "Okay, children, we're going to pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." But most of us, we were not doing the sign of the cross properly. We we're just doing it anyways. And he will st stop us and say, no, 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 wait. The, art, the, the sign of the cross is already a prayer. And you have to do it well. So, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. And this really struck me, you know. Ah, I mean, that the sign of the cross is already a prayer. I cannot do it just uh, anyway. And I remember him very much. And um, when I was ordained, I remember that I prayed for him. <laughs> I could celebrate Mass, so I, I could pray for him because uh, he really uh, did me a, a great favor. You see how important it is, eh? When we yeah. teach the little ones and everything else, we never know who is in front of us. Exactly. I'm sure that that Christian brother did not know that one of these you know, small children exactly. would be a priest later on, right? But, but it happened, yeah. no, in this yeah. case. So, wow. And then the priest will pray for him, for him to eventually get out of purgatory. Yeah. That's so. beautiful. That's beautiful. It's amazing. Very good. So, anything else for the program today? Because there are so many questions. Again, if we were going to start all the questions that we have received, we'll be here for two, three hours. And so we leave it for the next program. But at this point, uh, there is the third part of the program, which is okay, something that we can recommend to the audience that is related to purgatory. It could be a podcast, it could be yeah, this podcast, no. It could be um, a book, it could be uh, a resource, it could be something that we can uh, recommend that is going to do good 
to our listeners. So who would like to start? A very interesting book. It's A History of Purgatory by a French author who is considered a, a very important you know, um, authority in, in purgatory. And his name is Jacques Le Goff. L-E-G-O-F-F. Jacques Le Goff. And that book, I, I think it will will help a uh, lot of people to understand better purgatory. Oui. Very good. So we'll put it down here in the in the notes of the program. For those who are, who are following, we'll go there for the link, and then we can link there. Rather, Justin, what do we recommend people after this program? Okay, so I have a few books, but I'm going to go with one because it would be wrong to take a whole series. And this is, an, this is an old book, an old book, but it's an oldie but a goodie. And it's called Purgatory Explained. Okay. Purgatory Explained by Lives and the Legends. And this is written by another Frenchman, and his name is François-Xavier Schoep. So S-C-H-O-U-P-P-E. And it's a book that goes through the doctrine of purgatory and then stories. There's the saints interacting with the souls in purgatory. Absolute page turner. That's the interesting part about it. For the younger readers out there, something that's going to like, Mommy, I don't want to go back to bed. This is beautiful. And they might actually start praying for the souls of relatives or the forgotten souls, as we already been talking about today. Wonderful. Very good. Okay. If it is my turn, I would like to recommend a book also. Today it has been books. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that the next next program has to be something else. But it's called My Conversations with Poor Souls. And this is exactly a person who was not a saint, but was a mystic. And she was able to see souls from purgatory that could come visit her and actually ask for prayers. In the very beginning, it was something you know, haunting too, because she's, imagine, in the middle of the night, in her room, and all of a sudden, in the back of the room, there is this form that it was someone that she didn't know, and, and, and she was completely you know, frightened. And then at that moment, or next day, she goes to, his, uh, to her uh, confessor, asks, and the confessor says, well, what you need to do is something simple. Pick up holy water and then throw holy water. If the thing that you are seeing goes away, that's, you know, a soul from, from hell. But if that form actually comes to the holy water, then probably it's a soul in purgatory and then you have to start praying for them. But sure enough, she went through holy water and then the, the thing fell down. And then every night she would receive one two, three, four <laughs> souls in purgatory that would come to her for her to pray. And it's interesting too, the story, because uh, as time passed, the things, the forms, started to acquire human shape. And she would start to see the person. And as, and as days passed and passed and passed, finally the souls would come to her, shining when they were ready to go to heaven to mm -hmm. thank her. For her prayers. Oh, so wow. it's a very, very beautiful book. She's a princess, a German princess. Uh, is, uh, her name is Eugenie, no, because this is French. Uh, no, the, the French translation, but it's German, von der Leyen. So we'll put the, here also the notes uh, in the notes of the program. But really, very interesting book that everybody should read because if you really want to understand more about Purgatory, there is a lot of stories there that help us to understand through the stories the doctrine of Purgatory. So 
that's my recommendation for, for the program today. Very good. And with this, I think we have arrived to the end. Unless we have anything else to say, something else to add? I'm actually looking forward to the questions. Absolutely. Um, taking a little quick peek at them. Um, they underline a lot of the issue that we have with people today living in a very uh, secular, humanistic society. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping that our next episode is going to shine some light, the Catholic light on, on why purgatory is so necessary and why it's natural. It's not a unnatural thing. It's very natural. You know what we're going to do now? We're going to say a Hail Mary for the souls in purgatory. That's wonderful. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are thou amongst women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, Mother of God, God pray, pray for, for us sinners, sinners now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. The Lord be with you. And, and with, with your, your spirit. spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> so for those who are here for the first time, don't forget, this is uh, Salve Maria, the podcast of the Heralds of the Gospel. And again, in the next um, episode, we're going to see all the questions that people have sent. And I'm sure you're going to enjoy tremendously a continuation on this topic that is going to clarify for sure all kinds of issues that you know will help us to understand better why God is so merciful and why God reserves purgatory for each and every one of us in case, of course, you know, that we want to get to heaven. And I think we all want. I hope so. <laughs> Thank you.